if I had become invisible when I was 16, if I had just turned 16, okay, I probably would have been too fucking scared to go into the girls' yeah, changing rooms. Because you're not, you're not silent. Yeah. They could hear your footsteps. They could touch you. Yeah. They could I hear the I... fapping. They could hear the fapping. <laughs> they could hear the fapping. Is is is? Oh my god! I don't want to ask. I don't want to ask the question. That's... No, no, no. Ask away. No, ask away. Would your sperm be invisible? That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> And welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three strapping young men, northern men, watch and review all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. To my right is Mr. Chris Evans. Hello, Mr. Chris Evans. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much, Mr. Yeah. Phil Dean. And what is going on with this introduction? I don't know. And to my left is Mr. Graham Riley. How are you? I'm fine. I just uh, finished a uh, odd shift down the mine and uh, <laughs> stack some, uh, put some shelves uh, up and uh, yeah, and. Uh, Chop some wood, and now I'm ready to uh, review another episode of Spring the Teenage Witch. Indeed. So, uh, and as both of these gentlemen said, I am Phil Dean. I'm your host and your guide, if you will, through all seven seasons, I for think, now, anyway, uh, of uh, uh, this TV show. So, uh, we are up to episode eight, which is entitled Magic Jewel. Now, a little premise about this is that, uh, well, Sabrina befriends a, a young magician in school, and she ends up turning him in invisible, and then... Insanity reeks throughout the school while he's invisible. Mm-hmm. And Sabrina has to deal with that as well as uh, dealing with Harvey, who is failing to notice her. Oh, always oh. oh, a massive struggle when it comes to teenage girls. The, the boy that they, they fancy or love, who they, they're fated to be with, their destiny is to be with them, and they won't notice them. Boys, can we relate to Sabrina in this way? Not in regards to as a boy ever uh, not noticed you, but... Yeah, boy, boy, boys never notice me. Oh, yeah, oh, boys yeah. never notice me, no matter how hard I try. <laughs> but no, uh, <laughs> women, yeah. or have I been hopelessly in love with a woman who is yet to uh, well, in, notice in, me in, in Sabrina's, way? Well, in Sabrina's, I've so, a 16-year-old you... 16 year old me was I in love with a with a girl that didn't have the time of day for me yes yes of course I was okay Audrey Hepburn fuck okay. out come on she, she was too busy being dead <laughs> <laughs> bitch <No>. and uh, <laughs> Gray, what about you can you, can you uh, relate to Sabrina in this not really no I just, just, just hated people when I was 16 so no. <laughs> hated everyone everybody so, <laughs> just yeah. magic Joel we're ready to get magic up in her but uh, are, we, are we ready for this boys yes yeah, we if are... you don't pretend to be a 1990s rapper. Why we're in 1990s? What if I want to be Brian Austin Green? Yeah, what if Brian, Brian Green, when he's rapping, Brian Green, he, drops sorry, the, yeah. he drops the Austin. The um, beauty and the beat. Yeah, beauty and the beats. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, boys, are we ready for this episode? Yeah. Oh, yes, I, I was born ready. Whoa. This is the second episode of the second disc. We've still got a lot to go in our Enchanted box set. How many discs in total? Um, I think it's four for each season. And how many seasons? Seven. Seven. Wow. So the episode opens up with Salem telling Sabrina that Harvey's on the phone. Sabrina shoes him away and it is indeed Harvey asking about science homework. Yeah, I'd like to stop you right there, Phil, okay. and back you up. Right. Salem does do all of those things, but before he does that, he somehow manages to open the bedroom door. Now, as someone who has a cat, I can tell <laughs> you... As for someone who has a bedroom door. <laughs> and a cat... Uh, cats can open doors. Right. They tend to like scratch at it and pad at it until it eventually pushes open. But the issue I have here is you hear the door handle 
open and close. I mean, who's who's to say that Salem wasn't the one who opened the door? He's a cat. Cats can't open doors, nor can they answer phones. Well, back last episode, I was on the. I answered the phone. How did he answer the phone? So it's like, how how does a cat open a door? There was no sound of the scratching of the padding, and it's just the door handle open. I mean, come on. What we're saying is they should have had a bespoke sound effect of a door opening that didn't involve a handle turning, and they didn't do that. And it's 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 just so lazy. Or they could have had a cat that could open doors. Cats can't open doors. Magic cats can. He can't use magic. He's entrapped in a cat's body. I threw a cat at a door once to see if he pulled the handle. Did not. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. First hand experience. So, um, yeah, so Harvey's on the phone talking about science work. But then he starts to tell her that she's the prettiest girl in the school. Sabrina delighted, of course, by this news because that's all she wants. She wants Harvey to notice her. But then he starts talking about weird stuff like squid. Apparently, Harvey loves squid. And, squid rules! And apparently he's from the Deep South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His accent is very much not Harvey. No. And the reason why his accent is very much not Harvey is why, going Because it's actually Salem who has, again, magically um, taken charge of the phone and is uh, impersonating Harvey, even though he's never met him and he sounds nothing like him, to uh, call Sabrina and uh, just have some japes. Yeah. Now, this is the first point of discussion. A very deep sort of magic discussion is... Um, I think you might enjoy this. Because we can relate to it being of the male sex variety. She, Sabrina says to Salem, Salem, I will neuter you. Now, Ooh. if Salem got neutered as yes. a cat, a yes. hundred years pass, he turns back into a human. <laughs> he turns back into a man. Will his balls be gone as well? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think, Chris? Do, do you think if, if things happen to Salem as he is a cat, say... Uh, there's an episode down the line where Salem gets run over. I mean, it's not a family-friendly sitcom and it's not what we want to see. What but if they cut off his tail? How would that affect him as a human? Ooh. Okay, this, you, there's two ways you can go down here, okay? Either when Salem was transformed into a cat for his misdeeds, yep. okay, he was, his, he was either... His consciousness was either put into a cat or he was turned into a cat. If he was turned into a cat, whatever happens to the cat then would result in him, uh, him later on. Mm-hmm. So if his balls get chopped off, he has no balls when he returns to a human. However, if his consciousness was put into a cat, then he's fine. Doesn't matter. I mean, I guess that's not completely far-fetched, seeing that uh, stereotypically witches are seen with black cats, and maybe um, Drell, if seemingly he's the one that does the punishing, maybe he's got a shelf full of... Yeah, full of cats being um, raised just to be harvest for their bodies for psychopaths. And um, Salem's original body could be in storage in the other realm. It could yeah, be. Exactly. We, we don't know. There are two avenues. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So, yeah. Sorry, of... two, two logical avenues. Oh, There's oh, many oh, illogical ones. Oh, yes. Well. The most realistic ones when it concerns magic and witches. And, and cats with humans' brains inside them. Yes, of course. So all, all stuff we can all relate to, I'm sure you'll agree. So the titles roll, and uh, Sabrina at the end is dressed as a scuba diver, screaming at a shark. Didn't see the point. Didn't, what? They're, they're getting increasingly lame. Yeah. Even as the show was maintained a high standard, these, uh, these gags were never good, and now they're flat-out terrible. No. So hopefully they can uh, get better, so step up the titles team. Anyway, we open up and we're at the slicery and Sabrina's with some girl we've never met before called yeah. Emma. Yeah, Jenny 
We will see her again. She does leave the show eventually, but not not just yet. Uh, Jenny is mysteriously absent, not mentioned at all. Um, anytime you see Sabrina with um, female company, a friend in this episode, it's this girl, Emma, who we've never seen before. It, 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 probably just either a scheduling issue or she was ill that day and then they just got a random extra or whatever. Well, she's not just a random extra, but she is somebody who they could probably call upon at short notice yeah. because she is Elizabeth Hart, who is the middle sister between Melissa, who is Sabrina, of course, and uh, Emily, who we uh, met playing the uh, bratty cousin in um, an earlier episode. Um, she's not really an actress by the looks of things because she's only ever a bit like Emily but even more so she's only appeared in stuff that Melissa's been involved in So, uh... and if you go on her IMDB page it says that Elizabeth Hart has played Emma as we've seen uh, she played Student 1 uh, Student and Onlooker 2 or something yeah. like that so she's and the only thing she's then been affiliated with are just coming off Melissa really but in yeah. a even smaller role than um, than yeah. a sister yeah Emily so, uh, so yeah, Emma's here, randomly, and they're talking about something that doesn't really matter because Sabrina isn't listening. Uh, she, she's too busy wondering whether Harvey will show at the uh, slicery. Uh, he does, and they instantly hit the foosball table. Again, nice. Well, this is a nice way that they bond, a bit of friendly competition. Um, and also a bit of tension and aggression they can get out. Uh, oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Oh, you mean their sexual tension? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because they're all sort of, you know, they can be angry and furious, like, oh, why won't you notice me? And they're just getting that out, and these little little players strapped to the, the knobs and things. Yeah. The knobs, the things that you twist. Oh, I thought you were like, the players are strapped by the knobs on the poles. Never mind, moving on. They kind of are, actually. Yeah, yeah. I know, that's why I was like, <laughs> why? Yeah. So, it's going so well until Libby, in an extremely tarty skirt, walks past stroking his arm and stealing all of his attention. Oh, Causing Libby. Sabrina to celebrate her goal on her own. And Harvey's wondering eyes to wonder somewhere. Again, it's that moment where it's like, for crying out loud, Libby, you are just being a bit of a hoe. Yeah, now, another sort of thing just to bring with you boys is Libby, she seems to be a, uh, massively attracted to Harvey, but sporadically, so... Well, um, she's, well, the point is she's not. She's massively attracted to upsetting Sabrina. Yeah, well, that, that's what I was going to discuss. Yeah. Is, is Libby... No. Legit attracted because Harvey's a good looking dude. Is she legitimately attracted to him or is it more just to spite Sabrina? She's either fucking with Sabrina or she wants Harvey because Harvey, as you say, is good looking and also he's so nice and he always falls for Libby's distractions mm. and attempts to sort of lure him away 100% because he can't say no to anything. Um, so he'd be the perfect doormat boyfriend for her to just bully. I I think it's more across the lines that Libby just is uh, just knows who she is and knows that she can get the attention mm. of anyone, and then enjoys that moment of "Hi, Harvey," and he him then turning. I don't think she does it out of spite. I don't think she does it out of flirting. I think she just does it because she can. Yeah. We've already discussed that um, Libby likes surrounding herself with yes men. Oh, yes girls, in, in her sense and stuff. <laughs> yes, people, anyone. People that compliment her and make her feel superior. She'd enjoy the room in the um, Pleasure Dome uh, with the complimenting people very much. Yeah, she really would, wouldn't she? So it's going so well until I say Libby um, sort of distracts Harvey. His attention is not on Sabrina, it is elsewhere. And that particular point will play a larger role in this uh, episode. We're at the Spellman's and apparently Salem did another impression of Harvey on the phone. Mm. Which was a bit pointless seeing that Sabrina was out with him. Yeah. 
So, but it was just to show that Salem is being a bit of a, a tinker yes. as such and using his newfound skills as a, an impersonator. To of people he's never met. <laughs> people he's never met in a voice he can't really do. Uh, no, I like it. I think but it's again, a good impression of him. But again, now we know what Salem does to get his kicks. Yes. He just abuses the Spellmans. Yes, he does. Just just makes a mockery and uses anything that he can get hold of in his limited ability. Well, I say in his limited, bit of, limited ability as a cat. He but- can open doors and answer the phone. There <laughs> yes. is no limited ability there. He can do everything. Um, but Zelda asks uh, Sabrina if she had a good date. She says that it wasn't a date. They just played foosball and that Harvey is too oblivious to ask her out on a date. Which we've mentioned before, we, yeah. we say, yeah, Harvey is oblivious, but at the same time, Sabrina isn't exactly helping her cause. No. Uh, well, Zelda says the best way to get someone's attention is to be an interesting person, <laughs> which sounds more like a dig at Sabrina than advice. It's the way she says it, like, oh, maybe, if, if she said, oh, maybe the way to get his attention if is... If you were so boring, he <laughs> might ask you out. <laughs> yes, it's effectively how she says it. She could have worded it differently, going, oh, well, boys are attracted to... Um, you know, flashy gimmicks, or you don't think like it's. it's look, you, something shiny. Oh, yeah, particularly Harvey, but it's the way she says it. Oh, well, boys are attracted to, you know, more fun, imaginative people. Yeah. It's just, a, it's, it's such a bit of a weird dig to make yeah, it a. Not, it's not in any way meant as a dig, but the way yeah. Beth Project yeah. sort of delivers it, it kind of comes gives out as a Yeah, but at the same time, we, we, we shouldn't be putting that pressure on uh, on teenage girls or teenage boys. It's like, if they're going to like you, they've got to like you for you. There is no point in pretending to be someone that you're not. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, well, well said, Chris. And I know. And that's a good thing about this show, is is uh, the past couple of episodes, we've discovered more about Sabrina and sending a good positive message. Particularly episode seven, our last episode, um, was about um, real the realisation of um, that your friends and your family and loved ones are most important to you. And that's kind of like this. It's... it's Really, you should be taking away, Chris, your point there. Just be who she is. I yeah. may not contribute much to these podcasts, and when I do, they it seems like a pointless thing. But every now and then, I do come out with... You come out with a, a cracker, don't I you? I do. I come out with a wonderful little nugget. Well done, Chris. You I'm, g- I'm going to sit back now. You weren't, you weren't your keep, haven't you? You sit back, mate. <laughs> um, so Sabri- My job is done. <laughs> so Sabrina suggests that maybe she should tell him she's a witch. Because what's more interesting than making magic things appear and blow stuff up? Zelda suggests she should get a hobby uh, or a job. Her hobby, for example, when she was a girl, was she kept bees. Now, we don't know what what century this was in. No. But um, beekeeping is an old, old yeah, uh, pastime. Yeah. One of the oldest, probably. Yeah, but still, it still happens today. And we, 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 we need more beekeepers in the world. Do you reckon... Obviously, she's a witch and she kept bees. Do you reckon she used to live on the island where the Wicker Man takes place? Perhaps. <laughs> maybe, maybe she's one of those spooky witches that... Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Sort of set the bees on, on the bloke. Not Yeah, not the bees. Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! We're back at school and Sabrina is once again looking for a job on what should be there, a posting for a magician's assistant. Perfect. She's not the only one going for it, though, as is Justin. And who's he played by, Graham? He's another sort of well-known actor, but in a very early days. Justin is played by Donald Faison, who is probably best known to people now uh, for playing Turk in uh, Scrubs, which was a massive, massive show in the early to uh, mid-2000s. At this point, uh, he was best known for... for playing Murray in the film and the follow-up TV series uh, Clueless, 
through us, uh, the film had been out in 95 and the TV series had just started around about the same time as Sabrina. Uh, we'll see him again, see uh, Donald again, in uh, a few more episodes later on in uh, Sabrina playing a different character. And he is um, a equality fighter. He is! You, you, you were very much on yeah, board with I was, Justin, yeah. Right? Um, yes, yeah, so good old Justin, he's saying, um, well, you, I could be your assistant. The ad doesn't say that, um, that it has to be a girl. And he's like, well... Would you be okay wearing sequins? He's like, absolutely. It's like, uh, even if they're up to here, yeah, yeah, you, you know, up to your waist, yeah, absolutely, that's not a problem. He's like, well, maybe you're a bit tall, and he's like, I'll wear flats. Um, but uh, no, unfortunately, Joel is not having any of it. It's no. at this point I'd like to point out that a magician assist, magician's assistant, is there as the misdirection to keep mm. your fo- your attention focused elsewhere. Okay, now traditionally that has been, for lack of a better phrasing. A beautiful woman. You can't see. I just did that a whole air quotes thing um, uh, to therefore distract the audience. But I'm not gonna lie. I think I would be more distracted <laughs> by by a bloke in a sequin dress with a slit up to the waist, wearing some form of like feather boa on the head. I feel like that is a more distracting thing because you're questioning. It. It's like, why is that bloke wearing a dress? Especially if you go in. Is that? I think you'd be like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care about that that tank that's just appeared out of nowhere on the stage. Why is that bloke wearing a yeah. glittery pink dress? I mean, I'll take me a moment to actually compute that. Yeah, our, our young magician, who we learn now is called Joel. Yeah, he's definitely missed, missed pardon the pun, he's missed a trick there, hasn't he, huh. with uh, not, not having him. You didn't mention Joel. Joel is played by... Um... Yes, Joel is played by an actor who is very known for one particular role, really. Um, Andrew Keegan, who was actually 17, so a rare, legit teenager <laughs> yeah. in this uh, show. So he hadn't been in much yet, but not surprisingly, he was very young. He had a small role, though, in 1996's biggest film, that being Independence Day, where he right. played older boy. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> Uh, after that, he was in a um, series called Seventh Heaven, where he played a teenage father who um, has a huge unrequited crush on Jessica Biel, as we all do. Um, whoa, and, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that's true. And, um, I like Jessica Biel. That's, uh, yeah. Yes, but he's best known, uh, as we were alluding to, a few years after this, I believe three years after after this, in um, Ten Things I Hate About You, starring the late, great Heath Ledger. Um, Andrew Keegan plays the character that... Um, Pays Heath Ledger's uh, character to uh, date uh, mm-hmm. Julie Styles. What was his name? Joey? Was it Joey? I think so. Joey yeah. the model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. No, but no, older boys is what he's known as now, and he is is a young magician in this show. Uh, thank you very much, Graham, for once again for more facts. So we've already established that um, that Joel was looking for a magic assistant. He didn't want Justin because he is uh, well, he's a bloke, really. Uh, no questions asked. He wants a girl, an attractive one at that. And guess who comes in? Sabrina, of course. And he says she seems more than qualified. After a bit of awkward banter involving that they're in school together and. What is it? Remember that time when you dropped your pen and I said, here you go, and you said you're welcome, and they laugh about it? And Clearly, any interaction with a girl is so memorable to Joel that he <laughs> remembers it word for word for yeah. uh, months and years to come. But he is he's very attracted to an immediate uh, strong attraction to Sabrina, and that's why he makes her the magician's assistant. Well, that is until... Um, well... She says, let me demonstrate a bit of magic, because she says that, uh, that she dabbles in a bit of magic, and even though she's just there for the misdirection, she's like, oh, look at this. And then she openly does some magic, 
which is forbidden or taboo really to do it right in the open in front of people who are expecting to see some magic. She takes an apple and she turns it into a giant apple. Like bigger than any apple that would occur in nature, it's even like, with genetic modification. It's like a, a bowling ball, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's like it's a pumpkin apple. Yeah. yeah. And I mean he he goes like, Whoa, that's like Vegas magic. It's fucking not like you've just seen this apple just expand, just grow into this huge apple. Whilst sparkling. Yeah. yeah. With a <laughs> noise. <laughs> Yeah, oh my god, these people don't react to magic the same way that us watching it would. Look, the mid-90s was a magic time. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a scary trick, so why isn't tripping balls, I don't know. Uh, anyway, the next day, Harvey asks Sabrina if she wants to head to the slicery tonight. She says she can't because she has rehearsals for the magic show, or Magic Joel's World of Wonder, yes. she says it's called. Um, Libby butts in. Of course. And tells Harvey that she's heading to the slicery and asks Harvey if he wants to join. He says yes and leaves. What a bad boy. Again, I, Libby is just doing it because she can. At this point, yeah, I agree with you there because she is evidently, she's hiding behind a locker because as soon as Sabrina says she's not going, that's it, he slams the, she slams yeah. the locker door open. She comes and goes, hey Harvey, I'm going. Are you going? Great, thanks. See you there. But again, she can see Sabrina's disappointed that, that, um, that she can't go, so I think she's just seizing her opportunity to just sort of piss on Serena's cornflakes every time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Have we distracted you with our laughter from that point? Or uh, no, that's that's what I was going to say. Okay. Uh, well, that Libby just pisses. Libby's just, just doing it to piss on Serena's cornflakes. Yes. Thank Hypothetically, you. pissing on her proverbial cornflakes. Of course. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're at Joel's rehearsal space, his house, and his laundry room where he does all his magic. Um, this episode, I must be honest, we started a feature called That's So 90s, and we presumed with it being set in the 90s, for now anyway, that we would easily find something to mock fun of. This episode was a little bit tougher, because there wasn't anything strictly, majorly and obviously 90s, but I think we should comment on, um, regarding to this feature, we should comment on Joel's outfit. So I'm making Joel's outfit in this particular scene... This week's That's So 90s. That's so 90s. That's so 90s? The reason why is because it's his. Co- it's not necessarily his outfit, it's a combination of things. He's got his tight, sort of v neck vest on. He's got a horrifically designed shirt, which is about three sizes too big with him, with Roman gods on it, I think, or some Greek gods. Seemingly, yeah. I'm assuming it was silk or satin yeah, as well. Yeah, tight pants and a massive belt buckle. It's a very proportionally challenged outfit, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it's, it's just that combination you don't really see anywhere outside of the 90s, really. Yeah, no. should people wear T-shirts and shirts, and, but that particular such tight and such baggy combination is very, very peculiar. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I'll it, give you that. Yeah, I mean, it's not str- it's not the most 90s thing we could ever have, and no doubt it's probably not even the worst, maybe, one. But I think for now in this episode, I think Joel's, Joel's choice of horrific outfit is yeah, if, the 90s. If the 70s was the decade that style forgot, then the 90s was the decade that scale forgot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tight pants, huge belts, tight t-shirt, big shirt on top of it. It's yeah, yeah it's very very odd. Yeah, it's like he's nice. mugged two people with different sizes <laughs> and just worn what he could get hold of. Um, so yeah, or so he's bought some clothes. He's lost a lot of weight. He's bought some clothes for his new size, but he still has some 
which uh, maybe but for the larger man he once was. I I have nothing to contribute to this. No, you just watch and enjoy, Chris. So Sabrina asks him how he got into magic, and he said he thought it would make girls like him, which it didn't. Uh, girls hate magic. <laughs> girls hate magic, and to me that's daft. Not the fact that girls hate magic, but because he's a good-looking dude, is our Andrew Keegan, and but he is a complete weirdo, as we'll yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, but, um, he is. He is a dangerous looks pervert. On everything. Yeah, he is a dangerous pervert, as we find later on. But still, you know, he's a nice-looking guy. Yeah. He's got he's got flowing hair, not quite on Pendulette scale, but he's got flowing hair. Um, you know, he's got. It looks like he's got great skin. Looks like he's in great shape. And he plays a model in Ten Things I Hate About You. Yeah, so, so he can't <laughs> just be down to his magic. He is obviously a massive creep. Um, but anyway, so Magic Joel takes her to uh, the finale trick, which they're going to learn, called the Assistant's Revenge, it's called. And he guides her through his final trick with a little bit of enthusiasm, of nothing compared to Sabrina's real magic. But it's well worth a go anyway. So Sabrina's had a taste of their uh, showcasing the magic trick. Um, and yeah, she seems to enjoy it already. They seem to get on well with each other, which is nice. So nice, in fact, that uh, Joel has walked Sabrina home. Um, he's taken a shine to our Sabrina, and he uh, oh. makes a few roses appear. He does. Before that, I don't think we've mentioned, he says that because he doesn't have any friends uh, or anybody who's willing to participate in his magic, Joel says that prior to hiring an assistant, he practiced all of his magic tricks on his Dog. Oh yeah! Now we never see said dog. <laughs> no, he killed it. <laughs> he killed it. Well, the trick he said he did try it out on was he sawed his dog in half. We th- yeah, he definitely sawed. And his then, dog in and half. then, actually, actually, no. Didn't he offer? Doesn't he say when he gets to the door saying, "Oh, thank you for walking me home"? Doesn't he say, "Oh, it's all right. After my magic, I would walk my dog home anyway." Oh yeah, in past tense, he killed his he fucking killed dog. His dog. He killed his dog. He sawed his dog in half. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll learn things about Joel which are <laughs> rather disturbing anyway. Not only that, he is a pet murderer. That's why this guy can't get a date. Yeah. He is He is the boy you just... Died? Why didn't that come... Why didn't that come to any of us when we were watching it? He murdered his dog. He murdered his dog. And he's quite chill about it. Oh, so I, I would have walked my dog home I d- anyway. I, I don't think he understands the magnitude of what he's done, <laughs> yeah. which makes him a bit of a sociopath. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe he's just thinking it's like Schrodinger's dog. Is <laughs> it also still alive? Yeah. So as long as he doesn't look in the sawn in half box, <laughs> <laughs> he's confident that his dog is still alive and well. Yeah. Wow. Oh, um, yeah. So Joel, the pet murderer, has uh, walked <laughs> Sabrina home. Um, he makes a, a tiny bouquet of flowers appear from a uh, burning flame which he thinks is dead cute. She says the catchphrase, which he has to learn is, isn't he amazing? Which, by the way, is just the most pantses <laughs> catchphrase for any magician ever. Isn't he amazing? Isn't he amazing? No, no, no. It's like, you, you don't need to say anything like that. The trick should be amazing enough for it just to have been implied and the, the assistant should just be like, da-da. Yeah. But that's unfortunately what she is forced to say. She thinks it's a bit cheesy, but she she quite likes Joel. Like you know, he's a nice he's a nice lad. He's and not though. No. <laughs> he's not though. It's as, as we'll learn anyway. Uh, Hilda comments that as well and says um, says who's that? That's Joel. Yeah, he seems like a nice boy. Again, Hilda not being a good judge's character. Um, she well, then... she she Hilda's a murderer. Joel's a pet murderer. Of course they're they, gonna like. Yeah, they get on like a house on fire with people in it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so she takes the little uh, little bunch of flowers that uh, 
Uh, Joel made a pain. She turns, makes him into a real bunch of flowers. You know, just showing that her magic kicks ass. Um, we whiz back to school cafeteria uh, where Magic Joel is trying to impress Libby with a card trick. She gets annoyed and leaves, only to sit next to Harvey and Sabrina, somewhere she's never sat and people she's never sat with. Mm. Which again, just. Adding fuel to the fire and the thought of she's just doing this despite Sabrina. Um, Libby can't believe that Sabrina is working with Joel. Harvey, seemingly clueless to this, asks why. And Sabrina, quite angrily in a way, says, I told you I'm his lovely assistant. You never pay any attention. Ooh, I smell a little tiff coming on, boys. Oh, yeah, but but, but then Harvey comes back. He is quick-witted. He is. He's like, oh, no, I do pay attention. You've got a little bit of pudding just there. Just on the side of your mouth. So he notices the obvious things. He just doesn't notice the meaningful, subtle things. Um, Like any man, really. Yeah, like any man. Yeah, Yeah. we can all relate to him. Uh, Meanwhile, um, Joel has now come to Mr. Poole. And he's trying to do a magic trick on him. And cuts up Mr. Poole's favourite tie to loud protest. However, he makes it reappear as if brand new and smelling cleaner. Yeah. Mr. Poole, he's quite baffled by this trick. I'm quite impressed. Yeah, Joel makes Mr. Poole an offer he can't refuse. Oh, wonder what it could be. Well, it's not an indecent proposal, I'll tell you that much. Libby is trying to tell Sabrina and Harvey a story about herself, because they don't gel with the same group of friends. No. Falls on deaf ears, but in comes Joel, uh, telling Sabrina the great news that Mr. Poole has agreed to a magic show in the cafeteria tomorrow. Wow. Just... A magic trick in the cafeteria. I know it's very short notice, but make it a grander affair. Why is everything set in the cafeteria? The dance is in the cafeteria. Mate, you, you, you've you got to start somewhere. Yeah, I guess, yes. I, the the school, to... though, the school clearly doesn't have an assembly hall, though, this is what we were saying. Like, mm. a- any function takes place in the cafeteria. Not... Yeah, but, chaps, you got to remember, our assembly hall was also our Oh, it was cafeteria. our dining room. Right? Yeah. But it was a massive was also, space. And it was also our, our drama room. So yeah, The thing know. is, though, Phil, we went to a school... They went to a cheap TV set. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. Of yeah. course, it's not massive. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we're back at the Spellman's again, and Zelda is on the phone to a colleague of hers, she says, who has been invited for dinner tomorrow. Ooh, we've yeah. never seen, apart from, well, we've never seen Zelda with a man apart from the Mando that she created yeah. a couple of episodes ago. Oh, the, uh, the milk swilling fire. Yes. Yeah, well, actually, um, he's not a, he's a college friend, I believe, yes. she mentions. Um, she, Hilda also jokes that she went to college with Galileo, which may be true. Um, <laughs> yeah, it could be true. Um, so, yeah, very, very bit, ooh, spicy, see what happens with that. Sabrina comes downstairs in her glittery pink dress to much disapproval by Hilda and Zelda, saying she looks like a cheap magician's assistant. Which is just what she is. Which yes. is exactly what she is. Yeah. So she nail on the head there. But she says she's fine with that because this outfit's so bright and so glittery and so not her, in a way. Harvey has got no choice but to notice her. I've got an issue with that. What? People, sh- you shouldn't... Again, we're, we're on the issue, we're on the thing of changing who you are to, uh, mm. to, to be noticed by a single person. And it's like, well, shouldn't... Sabrina have been able to be noticed by Harvey in just her everyday clothes. Why does she have to wear something shiny? Because men are like Doug from Up. My master is a good master. I love my master. Squirrel! I guess so, yeah. He's, he's or, mag- very... or magpies. Yeah. Yeah. But I know they're not a good point to me, but it goes back to a couple of episodes back where they keep repeating about how boys are oblivious to all this and she needs to be... She needs to. Ju- well, she, the advice they gave is Hilda and Zelda on... Um, again, it was on Dream Date, wasn't it? Episode, yeah. um, oh, I forgot what episode number. No, episode six it was, yeah. um, where they said to her that you just need to tell him, just, yeah. t- just tell him you like him, and all this confusion and tiffs will be all be over. Yeah. But 
she's finding a way she's still to get around speed. that. Yeah. Um, so it, so it's her fault she's going to go to this great lens. But yeah, it's really getting on her, isn't it? Um, anyway, in the cafeteria, um, a couple of dozen students and staff have gathered around to see Magic Joel uh, do his magic trick. Harvey then says, what is Sabrina doing up there? Since when did she join a magic act? <laughs> oh, Harvey, you've been told three times yes. already. You still don't know. I'm starting to th- I'm starting to get worried for Harvey. Yeah, I mean... Does uh, he does he have amnesia? Short term memory loss? Is he a fish? Alzheimer's? Yes, some early onset dementia can happen to teenagers. Yeah. I'm sure Luther Roost in a documentary about it. Yeah, yeah, poor Harvey, but yeah, he really needs to get himself sorted. Um so when the linking rings don't unlink, unfortunately, uh, Sabrina on the spot says, Isn't he amazing? Which is responded by the absolute brilliant barnstormer of a burn. Um, Libby says, yeah, amazingly lame. Well in, Libs. Uh, Magic Joel, who says he can't handle the pressure, then moves to the tie trick again. However, this time, Mr. Poole is more than happy to offer his tie. He looked so happy. He's like, I love this trick. Uh, Oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, this is it. This is my moment on the stage. Here you go. Gives him his favourite tie back. Cuts it in half. Um, Puts it in the magic sack. And Joel goes... Oh no, <laughs> uh, Mister jo- uh, Mister Pool says. Oh, don't you mean? Hey, presto! And uh, no, his his tie's been cut up. Yeah, his uh, favourite tie. His grandpa's tie. His grandpa's tie. His dead grandpa's tie has been cut up, and he's oh. he's devastated <laughs> again. Uh, Sabrina, to make the awkwardness go away, says, "Isn't he amazing?" To which Mister Pool responds with. No. <laughs> we oh. can't do justice to his comic timing. Paul yeah. Craig is magnificent. Oh, yeah, we do. Any episode of Mr. Poole is is a an episode worth watching. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Mr. Poole's and his grandpa's tie been cut up. Sabrina suggests they just move to the big finale. And uh, whilst they set up, Libby says to Harvey that she reckons Sabrina has found the perfect boyfriend. Only for Harvey to seem quite upset by this obvious rumour. Hmm. But he's got the facial expression that he's quite... Quite um, thrown back by yeah. this idea, isn't he? I'd just he? like to point out that Libby, essentially, even though she does things because she can, <laughs> and I'm assuming it was Libby that started this rumour, because she can, she inadvertently perked Harvey up. Yeah, she did. She, yeah, it's sort of, yeah. Via, via the Joni Mitchell principle, Harvey's now uh, jealous. Yeah, because... She, um, Harvey now, with this in his in his mind, you know, at the end of this particular scene, he then goes and asks Sabrina about it. Yeah. So it, it leads to good things, anyway. Um, back to the magic trick, anyway. And uh, the first part of the trick goes well. Sabrina and Joel switch places in the uh, the assistant's revenge trick. However, during the next part, Joel panics because his trousers get stuck. I. It's those big belt buckles. Of course, yeah. yeah. Impractical 90s fashion. Yeah, Yeah. impractical 90s fashion completely ruined that trick. I mean, I was a bit unsure about including that, his outfit, especially his belt buckle in the That's So 90s feature, but you don't see magicians these days, do you? I've not seen a magician in the past 16 years that's worn a big belt buckle, so maybe it was just the 90s. Yeah, Dynamo's belt buckles, quite quite proportional. Quite petite, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but his trousers get stuck, he seemingly then has to remove them. But Sabrina, to make... Joel not so embarrassed, she uses her magic naughtily and makes him disappear. Bum, seemingly, bum, bum. seemingly disappear uh. as such. She's only turned him invisible. He is still locked up in there. 
Um, and that's proved by Sabrina then trying to touch his face and poking him in the invisible eye. Not, not that eye. Not that eye, no. She poked, she poked quite high, didn't she? Yeah. Um, Although his pants did get stuck, so you know. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah, it could have been anything. I want to know, though. This, this, this perplexed me while watching the episode. Yeah. I didn't mention Please it. Please be unplexed. Yeah. Um, he said his pants got stuck. Yeah. Okay, so we couldn't get out. Yeah. Then Sabrina made him invisible. Mm-hmm. At what stage did he take his pants off, and how did he take his pants off? Because Sabrina picks them up. Yeah, but the rest, but he's invisible as are the rest of his clothes. Yeah, but he, Sabrina picks well, up his pants. Well, so if he was stuck because of his pants, he took his pants off. He should have become unstuck. Sabrina wouldn't have had to have turned him invisible. Or, or if his pants were stuck, well, when Sabrina turned him invisible, his pants would be invisible. How, how, how did he take his pants off? How I think that is, is because he, he was in the middle of getting out the trick and he was there going, oh, my pants are stuck. No, Sabrina, no, no, no. So maybe he just got out of his pants and just, that's it, just, he just got out of his pants. Or maybe if he takes clothes off, they become visible because they're off his body. Maybe if he took his shirt off, um, his shirt will I'm just, be visible. I'm just, if he took his massive belt off, that would become visible too. Oh, yeah. Well, well, it's attached to the pants, so yeah. it was invisible, yeah. wasn't it? Um, anyway, Joel, now invisible, believes he's magic and says he loves the idea of being invisible and flees the school cafeteria. The door swings open and shuts behind. Harvey comes over and asks if the rumour of Sabrina dating Joel is true, only for an invisible Joel to scream yes, but an angry Sabrina says no and drags the invisible schoolboy into Mr Poole's classroom. She tells Harvey she is practising ventriloquism. And mime. And, and mime, mime, yeah. To explain the mysterious second voice and the fact that she is dragging an invisible man um, <laughs> yeah. into a classroom. Well, if there's anyone that you're going to try and convince that you're doing both of those things, it's Harvey. You just he'll probably like him. Yeah, okay. I'm sure if you just said, oh, that's Joel, he's invisible, and I'm going to drag him into the classroom, you'd be like, okay, Sabrina. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so we've seen our first age of Harvey making a move. A subtle one, because we saw a few episodes ago that he does really, really like her. This, this is the first time, well actually it's the second time another boy, although this is the first real one, because mm-hmm. uh, the other guy was made of dough, um, has gotten close to Sabrina and it has brought out a jealous feeling in Harvey. Yeah. As I, I say, I wouldn't say jealous. Jealous would imply miffed. Yeah, miffed. Miffed. Miffed yeah. is how he was. But it is to. sort of like, as I say, that he doesn't seem to know what he's got until it's gone. Mm. Um, mm. Because yeah, it's, it's every, every time somebody else looks like they're going to be making their move on Sabrina is when he's sort of like, oh well, I I, I, don't, I, I, I need to make my move. I, yeah. I, do, I, I do I do like her, but he still doesn't really know how to go about it and isn't really confident enough to make his move. Mm. But obviously, Joel um, has tried to anyway, as uh, Serena gets quite angry, saying to him, how dare you, you have no right telling Harvey we're boyfriend and girlfriend. Joel questioning why. Well, because they're not. Yeah. Joel is, is socially maladjusted. Yeah. He really is. Yeah, um, he, he says <clears throat> that he thinks that Sabrina's led him on because she he gave her flowers that he made appear and she accepted them. Therefore, by his standards and understanding that... That that makes them an item. Wait, just let me just do something, Graham. Yeah. Can I just? Yeah, I'm now holding Graham's hand. Yes, he is. Me and Graham are dating. We're dating. We're mm. getting married. That We're that having babies. That's essentially yeah. the equivalent. <clears throat> yeah, that that's no, that's it's. Yeah, no, it, no, it is. I I did one nice thing for you, and you didn't punch me in the face. So <laughs> we must be in love. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's very very weird. Yeah, um, but that, that's exactly how Joel's reacting. He's reacting in a way that. Like oh of course we're, we're dating I you like me don't you and she and Sabrina quite angry saying well no because I like Harvey 
Joel then says, well, I, um, Harvey doesn't recognise you. He, sorry, he doesn't notice you. Um, I would notice you. I'd, you'd be my everything. Ooh. Which, again, is a pretty weird thing to say a, about a girl. A, he- a heavy like, thing yeah. for a 16-year-old boy to say to a 16-year-old girl. All Ooh. I'm going to go with is, um, like, as someone uh, who has been afraid of commitment for some proportion mm-hmm. of his life, uh, if that phrase just makes you want to run. With the information we, we've assumed about Joel, about the killing of the dog, <laughs> his manager's <laughs> his, uh, social skills, yeah. it's like, you'll be my everything. Yeah. It's, it's murderous and seedy. It's really weird. You know, let's just remember, they, until... How long have they been practicing this show? It only seems to be a week at most. Yeah, Se- several days. Several days. days yeah. yeah. So until about three, four days before Joel said you would be my everything, the only conversation they had had was when Sabrina dropped a pencil and Joel picked it up and Sabrina said thank you. It's like the beginning of every single obsessive serial killer movie. It is, yeah. it is like, and they were very popular in the late 90s, mm. these high school slasher flicks. It's, it is like one of those. Yeah. <laughs> it's very disturbing. When we start talking about it, we, we've yeah. seen this, I don't know if, no, I was going to say, I don't know whether we're seeing this dark side or we're creating this dark side. No, we're definitely seeing the start of well, this dark we'll, side. We'll, we'll, we'll get to, you know, we've not even got to the worst bit yet. No, we've the, not, the, no. This is, this is the thing, you know, like... There's worse to if come. If you think we're overreacting, you just you wait. Just you um, wait. So Sabrina is shouting at Joel and she says to him, like, I don't want to be your everything. Only for Mr. Poole to walk in and ask what she's doing. Sabrina says that she just wanted to ask him a question. And he says, ask away as I staple my tie back together. <laughs> Oh, poor bloke. He says, Joel ruined my favourite tie. There's something wrong with that boy. And suddenly, papers fly everywhere. And one thing we haven't commented in this scene is there's a little bit of magic things going on, like um, when Sabrina's shouting at Joel, textbooks move. And a scientific diagram spins around, and these papers fly in. Very sort of cheap, but very little effective... Yeah. Little yeah. acts of magic on the uh, on the set, which is reminded me very very firmly of the poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. But then it comes back into reality when um, the papers fly everywhere. Sabrina says, "A gust of wind, maybe." And Mister Phil says, "What in this windowless prison cell?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mister Phil, just amazing. A good ninety percent of his lines are laugh out loud hilarious. Yes, <laughs> absolutely sarcasm at its best. Um, after telling Sabrina that she was good, she uh, he thinks she needs to lose Joel. Um, because she could do much better. She leaves um, because Joel's getting out of hand. She leaves the room. The chartboard goes up and a textbook flies around and his chair moves backwards that Mr. Poole's about to sit on. He then, quite scaringly, sitting on the floor, grabs his tie. This paranormal music kicks in and he goes, Grandpa? (laughs) (laughs) Thinking that his dead grandpa is haunting him and he's escaped out of his tie. So furious is he at the destruction of this uh, tie that he so thoughtfully passed down to his grandson. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's Mr. Poole for this episode. Um, at the Spellman's again, and Hilda picks up the phone. It's Sabrina asking how to make Joel visible again. Oh, that's easy. Just spray him with some visibility powder. Because, let's face it, in these situations, there is... it's Whatever you need in a sitcom... It's there. It's there. It's prepared for you. Especially since it comes about witches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a magic solution for everything. Yeah, we have the truth sprinkles. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, now we've got visibility powder. We've got the Mando. Yeah. So, ultimately, yeah, just to make him appear, it's very simple. Just spray him with this sort of talcum powder. Um, Sabina says, yeah, that would be easy. However, I need to find him first. Then Hilda says, where would an invisible 16-year-old boy go in school? Oh, no, screamed Sabrina. Oh, no, screamed Chris. Oh, no, screamed myself. Oh, no, realised Graham. And that's because exactly what you're thinking, you've probably listened to this and going, oh, no. Yes, listeners. Um, in this sitcom aimed at 11-year-olds, yeah, we cut to a scene of women undressing um, because Joel is in there watching them. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right, okay. We've all seen um, films and movies and other TV series. I mean, for example, American Pie. Yeah. 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 Uh, one of them, I'm sure they hide spy cameras in the girls' changing rooms. Probably. Yeah. And in that respect, in a film where it is meant to be grim and seedy and... and oh, an, si- adult, an adult program. And, uh, yeah. Then it's sort of like, okay, that's kind of funny. I can see where they're coming from. And they this. usually get found out and they usually get some sort of embarrassing comeuppance. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't happen here, really. No. no. <clears throat> but in a show aimed at young teenagers, I think it's a step too far. Yes. Yeah. It's, I mean, don't go, this is, again, we're not being prude or anything like this. This is... <laughs> but let's face it, I'm the least prude person. Oh, yeah, oh definitely, yeah. But this is one thing, like, at, at this age, if you were like, oh my god, I'm turning visible, like, oh, girls, whoa. But it, that's that's a fine thought for, as a child, just to keep to himself, something like that. But to, to then depict it actually happening and, and a bloke on a TV show actually yeah, going through with it. It's not so much that I think you could, because he is 16, yeah. and, you know, he is a hormonal teenage boy, and if he found himself to be invisible probably some of his sort of, you know, um, desires will be that way inclined. But I think my issue isn't even the fact that they go there. My issue is that he actually gets in there. So he, you, you're watching these women get changed. Obviously, you don't see anything, you know, explicit. But, you know, you're watching the girls... Well, you see bra straps yeah, and stuff like, you, you know, watching, yeah, they are in the stage of... Yeah, you're watching, you're watching girls in a state of semi-dress. And you know... Lurking in the corner of that room is a teenage boy with an erection. That That's the problem. And if he was like, it should have been, Sabrina says, oh no, he's about to go in the locker room, she stops him. But instead we actually get in there. Yeah, I yeah. Get, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. That's the, the problem. That, that is the, the only problem, actually. So, so <clears throat> what should have happened is Sabrina be running to the girls' changing rooms, and just as she arrives, she sees the door open with no one there, yeah, and stops him. Yeah, grabs grabs yeah. this invisible grabs person, this invisible pulls him out, pulls him out, and he yeah. just goes, "Oh man!" and then that's it, yeah. and then yeah. runs off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that that yeah. would have been more acceptable. That would have been that would have been playful and like. <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. issue is the fact that he was seen was in there. place in there. Yeah. He was in there, just watching these girls who know nothing. And then, uh, and then the follow-up scene later, which we'll get to, which, yeah. which compounds the wrongness <laughs> of it. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, I'm. If I if I had become invisible when I was sixteen, if I had just turned sixteen, 
Okay. I probably would have been too fucking scared to go into the girls' yeah, changing rooms. You're not, you're not silent. Yeah. They could hear your footsteps. They could touch you. Yeah. They could I hear the I... fapping. They could hear the fapping. <laughs> they could hear the fapping. Is, is, is... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't, want to ask, I don't even want to ask the question. That's... No, no, no. Ask away. No, ask away. <laughs> if you're asking what fapping is... No, is no, no. It's not... Would your sperm be invisible? That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we... Well, I know it begs a, it begs a question. It begs a discussion as well. For, I mean, if... If the idea of he's taking his pants off and because they've been removed from his body, they're no longer invisible, maybe, 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 as his semen leaves, as as he ejaculates, because it's left his body, it becomes visible. So would it just appear out of midair, just just splurge on the on a locker? What's that? Just, just about three feet in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Just. <laughs> and all you hear is. <laughs> followed by a. Oh. Jessica, well, is that is that semen on your legs? <laughs> oh. So, so from my saying, I'd probably be too scared to. What happens if you ejaculate? Is it invisible? Well, unfortunately, we never get to find that out. <laughs> no, However, yeah. if you have the DVD and you consult the deleted scenes, no, not really. Um, <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that, so. that, that, we went way off field, right? Phil, bring us back, mate. Yeah, okay. That opened up a whole can of sperms. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, we are in we are in the changing room. Sabrina comes in and tells the girls. Put your jumpers back on. There's a fire. Get out. I've seen smoke. I can smell smoke. Girls run out. Following then Joel just going, oh, man. Thinking, like, you you are a dangerous pervert. Um, she then tries to spray him with the visibility powder. Just She just wants it over and done with quickly. He then seemingly escapes, and Sabrina doesn't know where he's gone. Um, he just runs away, and that's it. Sabrina's got this, this naked... Possibly uh, invisible 16-year-old running around. Bring oh, a mock. Almost certainly aroused. The doorbell at the Spellman's goes off. And it's Ethan. We finally meet Zelda's just a colleague. Colleague. Uh, who's our uh, old college study, studying buddy. Um, and he he's not unattractive. No, he's, he's, not. A, he's, he's a, a suave, mm. um, you know, handsome uh, fellow in his mid-thirties. Uh, played by Mr. Paul Provenza. Um Someone who hadn't really done that much acting. He's main, at least not on television. He's mainly been in theatre. He's done stand-up. Uh, he hosted a show on Nickelodeon in the 1980s when that channel was very new. Oh wow! And he uh, later on um, hosted a theatre-based uh, talk show as well called The Green Room uh, with Paul Provenza. So yeah, someone who sort of has done a lot of work over the last 20, 30 years. But actually, him just appearing in a straight-up sitcom um, is, is quite unusual. Yeah, and what we found a lot in Serena is when we've got guest stars in it and they may only have a couple of lines here and there but the actors playing them and the writers writing them as such make those few lines worth it and Ethan he's he brings a good character especially does, a, yeah. a good couple of lines and stuff with regarding Zelda that come across and we'll get to that very shortly uh, but yeah Ethan has arrived um, Hilda comes down to try and uh, embarrass the pair until she realises that he is very handsome and she runs away noticing that she's embarrassed herself not the other way around. Uh, she comes down wearing a sort of swim cap shaped like a brain, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah, it's if you, it's Mega Mind's head. Yeah, she she 
makes a reference like, oh, why don't we all go to Harvard or something, thinking that this is just going to be three ner- well, two nerds meeting up, but she's going to make fun of them. But no, he is a, a handsome gentleman. Yeah. With a defined cheeks and a jawline. So it's, yeah, yeah she, the joke's on her. Um, we're back at the slicery, and Sabrina meets up with new best mate Emma again for the second time ever and final time. Uh, I'm just going to say, Jenny was most certainly ill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She doesn't give a shit about a word uh, Emma is saying for the second time. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then, yeah, Harvey comes over and wants to hear about Sabrina's ventriloquism again, um, as that's what she said um, yeah. to uh, so, explain the, the voice coming from nowhere. Yeah, so from Harvey not remembering absolutely anything Sabrina has said this entire episode, as soon as there's a, a slight inkling that Sabrina may no longer be available, he paid attention to everything. Yeah. I didn't like this, to be honest. I mean, you know, I always like dim-witted Harvey, but it kind of makes him seem like a bit of a dick that he wasn't paying any attention to anything Sabrina mm. said. It's yeah, I, 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 I didn't really, didn't really enjoy that. But, and, and that for the, he only cares when somebody else might have it. Like that makes him seem kind of shallow. I didn't really yeah, like I this, guess, uh, yeah. this uh, depiction of Harvey in this episode. Mm. But yeah, nonetheless, yeah, he asks her about it, um, which then Invisible Joel happens to be in the slicery as well, and immediately says. Um, something long as that, like Harvey's a jerk, I think he says. Um, so yeah, Harvey being quite confused then gets a plate of pizza sort of hit in his face. Sabrina loses her freaking mind and starts kicking around and punching around to try and get Joel. Uh, everyone thinks she's gone mental and she just runs out and leaves the mm-hmm. uh, the slicery uh, with people asking questions and scratching their heads. We're back at the Spellmans again and it's dinner time and Zelda and Ethan are geeking out talking about atoms and. Yeah. And planetary discoveries. And quarks. And quarks, yes. Uh, Hilda, feeling like a third wheel, uh, leaves in a paddy. She gets shooed out by Zelda. Um, Zelda is then about to dive into the subject of the first millisecond after the Big Bang, when out comes Ethan with, Love me! (laughs) Zelda quite taken back. Sorry? Um, I don't think it was only Zelda that was taken back. I think we were all taken back. We were all quite aghast. Just this man just, Love me! Because Ethan says he came round for more than just science, and that he loves her. Zelda not taking any hints. Sound familiar, gentlemen? Um, um, well, it's all the <laughs> all the advice Zelda, uh, Zelda's given Sabrina about. Ah, about. So, very clever in old Scoville. Very uh, nice. I didn't pick up on that. No, so Zelda's <laughs> there giving all this um, uh, this advice about Sabrina. You've got to, uh, you know, you. Boys are oblivious. You've got to, you've got to show them how you feel, and by doing oh, obvious yeah, because, things. Because uh, because he says I was playing footsie with you all night, and she goes, I thought that was the cat. Yeah. That said, the nothing in their conversation up to the point he shouts, "Love me," has hinted that he loves her. But, they, but <laughs> she's, no, known, she's not missing obvious signals or but anything. But they've known each other for years, yeah. though, so it says that he is again. He's been a bit too worried, dropping hints and things, yeah. and she. Being a hypocrite that she is, sort of giving all this advice yeah. to Sabrina, it's it's her that's not been noticing yeah, this yeah. Uh, this bloke's affection for her. So uh, yeah, they uh, he's about to leave. He's like, I've had enough uh, with with your crazy sister. I'm just leaving. Zelda thinking, oh no, I can't let this gentleman leave. Um, uses a magic trick known as slippery floor, yeah. where she makes the floor slippery. She does, and he falls arse over tit. Um, and yeah, he's lying on the floor, unsure of what's happened. She says, oh, slippery floor. Hilda comes down and says, what's happened here? And they both say, slippery floor, giving the impression that, oh, oh, Zelda's used a magic here to keep this man. Um, anyway, he, Zelda says, oh, come on, let's go back into the dining room. It's time for dessert. Oh, I like dessert. 
Mm. And then some sexy music plays. And they each take one of the sliding doors, grab it, pull it to the middle, and just before they close, they turn to face each other with a longing look in their eyes. It's very old-fashioned Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, so a nice nice little sort of romantic, subtle... um, Symbolic moment that uh, yeah, Zelda is may- maybe we'll maybe see more of uh, Ethan. Uh, Zelda is getting some. She is getting some. She's, she's getting some. She's taking a she's taking a visit to the pleasure dome. She has <laughs> indeed, hasn't she? Now um, speaking of getting About some, to have a super collision. <laughs> yes. <laughs> speaking of someone getting some, Harvey comes to the door because that's exactly what he's after. He rings the doorbell and uh, Hilda answers it and says, "Who are you?" He says, "Oh, I'm I'm Harvey. Oh, so you're Harvey." I've got a few questions. Man alive, she's going to eat that man alive. Yes. <laughs> like, but but you, 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 at no point... Right, okay. She answers the door. Oh, so you're Harvey. I've got some questions for you. And then she goes to, to Salem. It's like, go and get Sabrina. She sends the cat to go and get Sabrina. Right in front of Harvey. Right in front of Harvey. Then Salem trundles up the stairs and under his breath says, why do I have to go and do it? In front of Harvey. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, but I guess animals... No, no, you, no. No, no. You would never instruct a cat to go and get somebody. <laughs> maybe maybe a dog. Maybe a you, dog. If yeah. you had trained said dog to go and do that. But yeah. you don't send... I wouldn't send my cat as like, Cooper, go and get my sister. He would have just fucking ran off. Would have gone pissed in your cornflakes, would he? Yeah, or <laughs> stared at you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, but yeah, nonetheless, yeah, Harvey goes up. And this is the first time a... Another main character, unrelated to them, have come to the Spellman house. Not even Jenny. Oh, actually, no, actually, not. It's like Libby has been, hasn't she? Oh, yeah, not voluntarily, though. As, 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 as hostage, yeah. yeah not uh, but no, this, this, yeah. this is Harvey. He's come on his own, his own free will, and he's... So, it's, it, to me, it was a bit weird seeing, seeing yeah. a, a character we always... It's so involved with Sabrina in, in her home. It's, and Sabrina seems quite shocked. It seems like a place that she doesn't really want people to come around because everyone's weird. Everything's full of magic. Yeah. But yeah, she tries to keep her cool by running really fast down the stairs. She says, oh, well, why are you here? Um, nice to see you and all. Harvey says he's concerned for Sabrina because uh, he noticed she kind of went a bit mad at the slicery. Sabrina, over the moon. What, you noticed? That's all she wanted. He noticed her fighting an invisible person. <laughs> <laughs> it took something incredibly just, obvious and weird for him to notice it. I just want to point out that if I went into the middle of the town centre and started fighting an invisible person, a lot of people would notice. Depends on the town centre. Mm. Any town centre. If I went into any town centre, people would notice me having a fight with the air. A, 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 t- a, town, a town full of ordinary um, decent folk, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, so he, it's took it's taken something extreme for him to notice her. Um, so that's what Sabrina wanted. Um, Harvey says he's worried that she was mad at him. Um, he then says under his breath, and very sweetly in a way, very sort of nerdy, shows his vulnerability, asks her out on a date. Yay! Yay! It's only taken us eight episodes for the <laughs> point. Which, by the way, eight episodes in, and they're finally going on a date. That's quite quick. Really? In terms of sitcoms and things like that, I mean, if you take Friends, for example, there was like an entire season where Ross and Rachel didn't do anything. I'm saying that, though, they were, in regards to Friends, they are main characters who didn't necessarily start off as as close, and it's it's taken them to get to know each other, whereas Harvey and Sabrina have so obviously been in sync. But you see, what I'm saying is it's still quite fast for a sitcom to have 
the date of the two main love interests. I suppose so the fact that Sabrina is the definite central character and Harvey is his. I mean, he's a, he is a very likable, sort of, you know, reasonably well-rounded character, but the purpose he serves is Sabrina's love interest probably yeah. means they're going to get there quicker than... I think it's... There's enough build to it. I mean, they literally are going on one date. I mean, you know, it's nothing serious yet. Mm. But, I mean, there's enough build to it to earn a round of applause from us because yeah. we've seen them very nearly get there before. Um, but it, it's quick enough for it not to sort of... You know, they... You do run the risk of repeating yourself, having a lot of the same moments of yeah. them very nearly almost uh, telling each other how they feel, you know, and it becoming stale because you've you've waited too long to get to the you know mm-hmm. the, the moment where it finally yeah, all happens. Yeah. So yeah, I, I thought it was a very sweet moment, as we said. Yeah, um, she then uh, Sabrina asks af- after having been uh, asked for a date, she goes, "What like a real date? Uh, like when?" And Harvey says, "Now." And she just <laughs> and she just very sort of just very monotone just. Great, let's go. Then <laughs> just heads towards the door. She then realises, oh, maybe I should go and get changed. She says, oh, I'll just run upstairs to get changed. You wait here. Harvey then says that uh, I'm going to wait in my car in case your um, aunt asks me more questions. Yes. Which I think is a very, very sensible and fair yes, thing. Yeah, because yeah. it, it's what happens as soon as any member of your family clocks eyes on someone they've heard so much about. Yeah. You know, there are sort of, I guess in one regard, protect protectiveness yeah. and embarrassment yeah yeah. so so he leaves she goes upstairs or she would if she didn't walk into Joel who has been sat there all that time just yeah. invisible and sat on the stairs she says oh I forgot about you really um, he says yeah I came in with uh, Harvey I've just been sat here and Serena's very sort of proudly says oh, did you notice that Harvey noticed me you know Joel admits yeah so I guess I'm out of the running she says yes. He said. You she know, says you never were in the running. Yeah, and, and then, then she, she and then she goes, oh, "Yes, you are out the running." She doesn't want to. She wasn't a be, be a bitch. She didn't want to be, shut him down. Really, she she never had eyes for him anyway. Yeah, and she's kind of just letting him know that. Yeah, she's very good with him, really. I think. Yeah, Consi- considering he has done and said some very inappropriate stuff, yeah. um, she, she's quite fair with him and yeah. quite nice. Um, <clears throat> so she just says, listen, I like you, Joel, just not in the way that you want me to. Yeah. Which is nice, a very fair, mature comment yeah. to make. Um, he then sits at the piano and starts playing. She's like, oh, wow, you, you played the piano? He says, yes, I did it because I thought girls would like it. And you guess what? Girls prefer guitars. They do. Yeah, or, ba- I just, I just, or, ba- or bassoons, as we realise. Yeah. Uh, Harvey's a bassoon I, player, I just, isn't he? I just want to point out that he's just clearly hanging out with the wrong girls. Yeah, yeah, sure. Piano's a very sexy instrument, and magic is very cool. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe the mid nineties wasn't the time. Maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying that he was just hanging out with the wrong girls. Mm. But um, so while he is playing the piano, Sabrina says, "Oh, wait there!" Grabs the uh, visibility powder, squirts him with it. He then instantly reappears in a nice little te- bit of magic display on the yeah. TV. Um, and then pants. She, yeah, she then leaves and Hilda comes back and just goes, hello, who are you? And why have you got no pants on? Yeah. And he's like, oh my God, you can see me. Yeah. He lives to creep another day. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, guys, so this is where... This is what we've been teasing throughout the thing. We've already seen him be a little bit of a creep, and then in that scene I in, think in the locker no, no, room, no, you're a little bit of a creep. No, well, to start off with, then in the locker room scene, we saw oh, him be a massive creep. Now this is the worst. We cut to a very brief scene where Libby is very almost getting her breasts out. Yes, she's. She is undressing. Then Joel comes in and just stares at her. Yes. Libby then freaks out. Like, oh my god, Joel, get out, get out. And he thought 
he might be invisible again and is upset that he isn't and he says he's going to go and try it again yes now as as I said before um, in the the original off room scene where Joel actually was invisible it's creepy showing the girls getting changed and you know that Joel's in there like horny as hell invisible now we get to see what he was actually doing the actual way he was staring yeah. at those girls when he was invisible, we get to see him actually do that, which makes it even worse. Yeah, I, we're probably overdoing how like creepy this scene is because you you don't actually see or anything or nothing mm. is said. But I, I think they could have been a lot less um, visual and direct with, with the whole idea. Yeah. yeah, the fact that they could have just left it, but it's like, no, this guy is a perv, and the only thing he wants to do is. Yeah. It's perv on girls, and yeah, he chooses to perv on Libby, and the audience are laughing, but yeah, we weren't laughing. We were a bit yeah. uneasy about the whole thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit I, like, hope, I, hope, I hope Joel sorts himself out, because I think he's in for a rough life. Probably, <laughs> yeah, very much so. Probably featuring some uh, spells in prison if uh, he continues the way he is. Yeah. Um, but the, the episode could have ended there, on a bit of a low point for us, but we get a funny... One uh, scene just during the, the credits, yeah. if you remember. Zelda is on the phone um, speaking to Ethan, women led to believe, um, saying, oh, yeah, I'd love to see you again. Yeah, that was great. Or, what are you doing? Um, she says, oh, in your living room, eating a tin of tuna. Oh, Salem, I've had enough of this. Hangs up, storms off. We then cut to Ethan in his living room, questioning why Zelda has hung up, eating a massive tin of tuna. <laughs> It gets it. It's that point where it's like Salem has pranked all of them at some point, pretending to be the person that they like. And his giveaway line is always that he's eating some like or doing some, some seafood. Sort of, yeah, yeah, doing yeah. some sort of cat activity or eating some cat food. Yeah. Or, yeah, or there's some reference to something quite obscure. Yeah, and it was just brilliant. So it's like it looks like we won't be seeing Ethan again, which is a shame. But oh. what I find is, I mean, obviously that's clearly been put in like. You know, eating a, a tin of tuna is by no means a weird thing, but obviously it's been put in just because it ties in with I'm sorry, sort of cat, I'm sorry. cat related. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you eaten a tin of tuna? Just <laughs> the, on its own? the enthusiasm with which he is just eating tuna out of the can, he, sat in an armchair, is not normal. The, <laughs> I mean, the only, thing, the only thing not normal, really, is the size of the tin. This is like a, a big cost, tuna tin. It's like a Costco size yes. well, tin yeah. of tuna. Hello, America. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's it. The Costco, Walmart, whatever it is. It's, it's, it's verging on a bucket of tuna that this man is eating, so happy and enthusiastically and happy about it. <laughs> So at least it ends on a high note. We've we that scene was funny enough for me to temporarily forget about the dangerous pervert that lurks at Westfield High. So that takes it to the end of episode eight, boys. What did we think of it, Graham? First of all, um, I did quite enjoy it as much as um, the previous episode. Um, as we've mentioned, sort of some of the uh, ways in which they chose to sort of express sort of. Uh, well, Joel, the character in general. I mean, elements of him were likable. You know, I thought um, thought that Andrew Keegan's performance was perfectly fine. But yeah, I think he sort of strayed from sort of lovable misfit to genuine weirdo a little too often. As we yeah, and he um, found it a bit too difficult to laugh at. Yeah, as we've spoken at length. So that him being the central character of the episode, the character of the episode is titled after. Um, obviously, that's a big sort of mm-hmm. um, weakness that sort of made the episode struggle. I didn't like 
Harvey, um, as I say, being so indifferent towards Sabrina, like it went beyond sort of it being played for laughs and like maybe he doesn't actually care about her, which isn't something we want to think when we're supposed to really want these two people to get together. Yeah. Um, aside from that, I mean, you know, as ever, like, you know, there's some very funny moments, um, you know, some decent performances, but I think one of the weaker ones we've seen so far. Yeah. Okay. Chris, would you agree? I, I literally I have nothing else to add to that. That's is, is is your issue with the episode again more of the the way the characters in this episode were depicted? Yeah, it's a it didn't follow on from no. how the characters have been in the previous yeah. seven episodes, yeah. and it just seems like this this uh, putting in this Joel character. It was like, oh, everyone's just going to change. It seemed like mm-hmm. it was it was very much a standalone episode yeah. that decided right at the end oh we need to tie this into something yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah it's 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 a fun idea that they could have done a better story with like um, fair enough it revolved around a 16 year old boy being invisible but you didn't have to be such a 16 year old boy if you get me they could have had more fun being invisible and pretending and pretending to haunt people could have been like like what mr pool thought he was being haunted by his grandpa he could have done things to make the school think they were being haunted by a ghost. Something or, or, like that. That's mischievous and harmless. Could have had a fun thing of, of an invisible boy. Yeah. But that, yeah, that scene... You know... We got two separate scenes of locker room perversion. Yeah, and it, and it's an honest thing, again, as a 16-year-old, you might be like, whoa, girls, yeah, if I'm invisible, whoa. But don't show yeah. it. Like, it's... Yeah, it's, don't, show, don't show it, is, is, is yeah. all, all, all we're saying, really. And as always, uh, Chris, you are our official certified and patented uh, rank master. Yeah, I still don't know how I managed to get this role, but I do enjoy it. Yeah, so um, as every week, you're the one who sets the bar for what this episode uh, should be uh, scored by. And what do you give it, uh, episode 8? I'm going to have to go at the lower end of the spectrum here. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to give it a 3 to 4 perverts in a locker room out of inappropriate. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, maybe a little more, I'd say 5 perverts, but um, yeah, was was not too enamoured with this episode. It's the most skippable so far. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with your score. I would say 5 on this one. It wasn't a bad episode. I think they just yeah. chose some wrong things to focus yeah. at. But, you know, but I think 4 to 5... Um, is a good score to go. All I'm going to say is, if if you have got the box set and you get to this episode, all you really need to do is watch the very end where Harvey asks Sabrina. Or oh, oh, not even watch it. it. Just just understand that in this episode, Harvey and Sabrina, um, it ends on them possibly going out on a date. Yeah, yeah. That, that's it. That's Skip it. that episode. Yeah, don't don't bother. Jobs are good. And you don't need anything else. So unfortunately, guys, we've reached our first disappointing episode. Yeah. But hopefully, boys, episode nine will be better. Sounds good. Do you want to hear what it's about? Yes, please. It's called Geek Like Me. Ooh. And in this, Sabrina is tired of Libby's shit and turns her into a nerd. Oh. Ooh. Let's have a taste of romance. Let's see how Libby, the popular cheerleader, feels being a. Geek, yeah. really? Like Sabrina? A dorkazoid. Mm. Mm. I don't like that premise. Don't you? No. Why? I don't know. <laughs> well, hopefully watching it will change your impression, Chris. Yeah, no, it's just the, the, the cheerleader turning into a geek. It, I don't like the premise. I'm a bit concerned about what is done, what what is done to Libby to make yeah. her well, become no, a geek. Because... She's, she's going to be wearing glasses. That's a given. I'm, yeah, but, I'm not falling over a lot. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, that is the complete reversal of what the majority of 90s teen films were about. Yeah. It's all about the geek being turned into the beautiful 
woman. Yeah. Uh, uh, she's all that, for instance. Yeah. yeah. You know. But this is a discussion for another episode, and that other episode will be the next one. Again, uh, episode nine, titled Geek Like Me. I would like to thank my colleague to the left, Graeme Riley. Thank you very much, Graeme. Uh, you're welcome. Um, goodbye, everybody. And until next time, don't piss in anyone's cornflakes. <laughs> no. And I'd like to thank my colleague to the right, Chris Evans. Thank you very much, Phil. Thank you very much, Graeme. And welcome. until next time, don't sneak into any girls' locker rooms, because you are not invisible. And even if you are, don't. Seriously, yeah. it's just seedy and underhanded. <laughs> It's called the internet. Come on. However you choose to listen to this show, whether it be via Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud or iTunes, if you could be so kind, please leave us a comment and a review. Your support and inspiration will give the show meaning. Otherwise, we're just broadcasting to no one. And that's just sad. Also, why not subscribe? Then as soon as every episode hits the air, you'll get it downloaded straight away. How easy and, dare I say, magical is that? If you head to our Twitter page, at SabrinaWatch, you'll find links to each of our episodes, as well as quotes, pics and skits of our favourite moments as the series progresses. Whichever realm you're from, thank you once again for listening, and I hope you tune back in next week.